بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome to this week's edition of the program Al-Fiqh ala al-Madhahib al-Arba'ah that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. My name is Muhammad Musa Bera and with me in the Johannesburg studios Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussain. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah now most probably more than a month we've been discussing the issue of nikah. We carry on with the issue of nikah and today we discuss walima. Mufti Sab first question. What is the meaning and wisdom of Walima? Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nuswalli ala Rasulil Kareem. Amma ba'd. All praise is due to Almighty Allah, the sustainer, nourisher and cherisher of this universe. Peace, blessings and salutations be upon our beloved master and leader, Nabi Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Regarding Walima, the meaning of it is the banquet that is held after a husband and wife have spent the night together, or we can call it the wedding feast, and that would be also to announce to the people that this couple here are now married, and therefore in Islam no one can point any fingers to them that in such a manner that how are they living together, or after one year they might be a child. So all this eradicates all the negative connotations, and it is to make shukr to Almighty Allah, and it is a sign of gratitude and thankfulness to Almighty Allah. Oh Allah, you have blessed me now with this spouse and this wife of mine. So it shows that there are multi-benefits in this walima, and it is an occasion of joy and happiness. It is not just the two people who are coming together, and in Islam it is two families also who are now coming closer and nearer to one another. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. Mufti Sahib, what is the verdict according to the four schools of thought regarding Walima? Regarding Walima itself, the most of the ulama, majority of the ulama say it is a sunnah and the walima itself would be a sunnah and that is the verdict of all the ulama. You have one, two ulama who might say something else but we are speaking about the vast majority. They say it is sunnah and the reason for it being sunnah is when we study Nabi alayhi salatu salam's ahadith then Nabi alayhi salatu salam told the sahabas awlim walaw bishatin and the famous hadiths he told Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu an as mentioned in Bukhari as mentioned in Muslim and various other compilations. Likewise, when Nabi himself married, then Nabi also had a walima, and we see that on different occasions, different types of walimas were held. So it shows that Nabi it was his practice in this sense, that he physically also he himself did it, and he spoke about it as well. So it is something which Islam encourages, but obviously we would not say it is something compulsory of First, if a person is poor or whatever reason it might be, then if a person does not have it, we cannot say that he's committed a major sin or he's went against the teaching of Islam. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. Mufti Sahib, what about those who are invited for a walima? Is it compulsory for them to attend? Yes, it is compulsory for them to attend according to Imam Shafi'i, Imam Malik, Imam Ahmad bin Hanbal, Rahimahullah. 
and the hadiths they use to prove their point. They say, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi sallam, that the Master Nabi alayhi sallatu sallam said, إِذَا دُئِيَ أَحَدُكُمْ إِلَىٰ walima." When any one of you is invited to a walima, the wedding feast, فَلْيَعْتِيَا You must go for it. So it shows the Amr, Al-Amru Lil-Wujub. There is a command there and there is a compulsion. The hadith is mentioned in Bukhari and Muslim. The Hanafi ulama say that when a person is invited for a walima, then it is sunnah to go to that walima. However, having said this, the majority of the scholars say it is wajib compulsory, and Imam Abu Hanifa rahimahullah states that it is sunnah. All of them agree that going there is conditional. What do we mean by that? The conditions they have given is that, for example, the person who invited you is a Muslim, it is not a non-Muslim person who got his daughter or his son married. Second thing is that the person who invited you, he invited you on the first day, meaning that now today the wedding took place and the next day is the walima. So that's the first day of the walima. Third thing, a condition would be that there is no munkar taking place there. For example, there is no alcohol being served there. For example, there is no dancing taking place there, no music there, or no intermingling, free intermingling. And today what we have, which is 100% unacceptable in Islam, that we have the boy and the girl, and now they are sitting there also on the stage in front of everybody, and the people call it the walima, and now you can see them, and they even go to this extent that they are kissing in front of public. So all this are munkar, and Nabi alayhi salatu salam said, Man ra'a minkum munkaran, whosoever sees a munkar, something unlawful, fal yugayyirhu biyadihi, then change it with your hand if possible, fa illam yastati, then if you cannot change it with your hand, fa bilisani with your tongue, and fa illam yastati, if you do not have the means and power to do that, fa biqalbihi with your heart, wa dhalika adhaful iman, and that is the lowest rank of iman. So it shows that all the ulama say that when you go to the walima, we before going there already need to ask them and verify is there any munkar taking place there. No sense you say we want to go for a walima, which everybody agrees in itself is sunnah. The attendance of it in that day's difference of opinion, majority say it is compulsory. They use the word wajib or farz meaning compulsory. And the Shah and the Hanafi scholars say it is sunnah, but they all say it is conditional. So we cannot be going for a sunnah and in the process we're committing haram. Obviously, Islam does not allow that. And said but true, today when we find and we look at most walimas, then it, the sunnah cannot be, it cannot be called a proper walima or a sunnah walima because the amount of vices that are prevalent there, as I just mentioned now. Jazakallah, Mutisab. Mutisab, is there any specific day for a walima? If so, which is the best day for walima? Nabi alayhi salatu salam, when he spoke about walima, so Nabi alayhi salatu salam said that the first day is the best day, and we find that there are many ahadiths on this issue as well, that Nabi alayhi salatu salam used to say that people sometimes have walima, and he said, Qala Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi salam, 
that the first day it is something that you should have and that is a day that you should attend also if invited. And the second day it is acceptable. And when you have it the third day, you just want to make the people speak about it, meaning it must reach their ears. Sum'a has to do with the ears. And to impress the people, their eyes. So this hadith is mentioned by Imam Ahmad and Imam Abu Dawood and their respect compilations so it shows that the first day would be the best day so if the nikah took place today then the next day that would be the best day for it and for some reason or the other you cannot have it that person got married far so it took them one two days to come then the second day you can have it so today for example the person got married and tomorrow you cannot have the walima then the next day so that is acceptable and wasani ma'roof but to have it on the third day and again inviting the same people or other people this is just showing off and this is just to you know ostentation what we call that you want to just make a name for yourself so this is what we all need to do and be very careful about it and beg almighty Allah Azza wa Jalla that we cannot be practicing on a sunnah where the intention itself is polluted or contaminated so what we need to do is practice the sunnah and in the proper manner without letting any haram or anything which is against the sunnah occur in the process Jazakallah Muftisab, what about the Walima and Nikah on the same day? Can one have the Walima and the same day as the Nikah? Yes, the ulama say that that also is possible and permissible as well. Let's say, for example, the Nikah is 11 o'clock in the morning and now you want to have the Walima at about 2 o'clock or 1.30 or sometime in the afternoon. So what you need to do is to circumvent the problem and to solve the problem. We will say that that after the nikah, the husband now and the wife should go into khalwa. Khalwa means they go into privacy. They have their 10, 15, 20 minutes, which of, you know, they all were looking forward to. And it's not something that you have to tell the people that now this couple after nikah will be going to that room. You can keep it a private affair. So they have their own privacy. They are in isolation and they can be kissing and smooching and touching one another or whatever. And all after that, now, in the afternoon, for example, that you have the walima, so that will be considered as a walima as well. However, the best is to have it the next day, so that is the best. But sometimes because of transport, sometimes because of convenience, people want to have it the same day. So our ruling and verdict would be it is permissible, provided that, and this would be considered like a condition, that the husband and wife has spent some time in privacy, in isolation, and they covered up, you know, for all the moments they were dreaming of and, uh, you know, that in that 15, 20 minutes and uh, then after that you can have the walima so it will be considered as permissible and acceptable. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. Mufti Sahib, which is the worst walima? Nabi alayhi salatu salam, this is the beauty of Islam that we are taught all the positives as well as the negatives. And Walima should not be such a grand affair where we only invite the rich people and the poor people are totally neglected and no one is allowed to come deliberately because this is for the higher strata of society. So Nabi alayhi salatu salam called it Sharrul Walima. That, that is the worst type of Walima where a person only has to go because he is rich and the poor people are not basically allowed there because they would feel, you know, that this person here 
Sunday is too low to join us and to be part of this year uh, Walima year. So Nabi alayhi salatu salam called it the worst of Walima. So we need to be very, very careful that we should invite poor people also. After all, we're saying it is a sunnah and we want to practice and revive that sunnah. So we should not be inviting people by only looking at their social standing. What we need to do is that invite them because in that way we can build the ummah as well and we can consolidate the ummah. So therefore, if you look at the words of Nabi alayhi salatu salam, he called it sharrul walima, the tud'a ilayha al-aghniya, that only the rich people are invited there and the fuqara and the poor people are not invited. So that is something definitely unacceptable in Islam. So to all those people who are going to have walimas, our appeal would be that you should ensure that you do invite some poor people as well. And in that way, our intention can also be rectified. And that is that we are practicing on the sunnah. And it is not just to keep the elite and the rich and affluent. And we are to bring about some form of apartheid or segregation in Islam. Jazakallah Muftisab. Speaking about invitations, what are some of the occasions one should invite others? Yes, Islam is a complete and comprehensive code of life. And Islam does not only say that walima, there are other occasions, some are sunnah, some are mustahab, some are permissible, that we invite people. In fact, the ulama have written books on this and people have written it in poetry form. So what we will do is just mention each one of them. There are ten in total. So we will just mention the name and give you the definition of it. And all ten of them are permissible, acceptable. Some are permissible, some are mustahab, highly encouraged, some are sunnah, the practices of Nabi alayhi salatu wasalam. So one was walima, as we mentioned, and one is aqiqa. Now when the wife gives birth, so we say that today, for example, she gave birth, and then you count seven days. So today, for example, is Thursday, then we would say that next week, Wednesday, is the seventh day. If the wife gave birth or birth on a Sunday, then we will say Saturday is the seventh day. If she gave birth on a Tuesday, then we will say Monday is the seventh day. So aqiqa, where you slaughter two goats or two sheep for a boy, and one goat or one sheep for a girl. So that also we have discussed or we will discuss it in our lectures. Then we have the other occasions. So two are already done, Walima and Akika. And Hidak. Hidak is when the child, now he starts speaking, he knows what is right and wrong, and he can distinguish between right and wrong. So that day is another special day and landmark in your life. So that day you invite some people, because now your child has reached that age of distinguishing between right and wrong. Another occasion is Azira. And Azira is when you have your child circumcised, that boy of yours, that son of yours, when the circumcision took place, so then also you can invite people. So this would be permissible, it would be mustahab. So that is also another occasion. Then we have Khursa. Khursa is when the day the child is born. So one is the Akika that is after seven days, but one is the day the birth took place. So you are so excited, there's an addition in the family, and we know during Nabi Alayhi, Salatu Salam's time, 
Abu Lahab was a kafir and the disbeliever despite to hell, he set Suwayba free and for that Almighty Allah is rewarding him that the punishment is also decreased for him every Monday as mentioned in Bukhari. So we are not saying that we must celebrate birthdays. No, far from that. We are saying shukran lillahi ta'ala out of thanksgiving to Almighty Allah. Oh Allah, you have given us a wonderful bundle of joy and a present and gift and that is this wonderful baby and child. So that is called also we have a term for it called khursa. Then we have wakira. Wakira is that now you have moved into a new premises, a new house, a new shop, a new factory. So whatever it might be, so there also you have a dawat and you invite people. So wonderful occasion. Then another one we have is called Nakia. Nakia would be now a person went for Umrah, he went for Hajj, or he went for business. They went overseas, for example, or they went somewhere far in the same country. And now when they arrive, Qudumul Ghaib, Qudumul Musafir, they arrive safely from their journey. So in a case like that, we would say that that also is acceptable and mustahab. Thereafter, we have Ma'aduba. We are just friends, and now sometimes we want to have our social gatherings. We want to enhance our friendship. So we just invite you. So ma'aduba. Ma'aduba would be an invitation without any specific reason. So we call that a ma'aduba. So you invite that person there for that. Then you have wadima. Wadima is... Now there is death in the family. Obviously it is an occasion of sadness and grief. Now we should not burden that family for the people who are coming from far and for that household themselves. You, the neighbors, should organize the food already and then send to them. So look at the beauty of Islam. When Jafar radiallahu ta'ala and whose martyrdom the news came, Nabi alayhi salam addressed the people of Medina, Isna'u ta'aman li ahli Jafar, that you, the people of Medina, organize food and make food for the family of Jafar now that is known as Wadima and then we have another one as well and that is you know nowadays your person he takes his wife some are COD that the day the nikah takes place same time they take their wife and some are layby that they get married today and they take their wife after three months six months for example because the girl must still learn how to cook or she's still studying or whatever the case might be so that is known as that shundukhiya. Shundukhiya is that when you take physical possession of your wife, so that would be another example. So on that day, you have also a food or a meal. So that's all wonderful occasions in Islam where it is acceptable or permissible or sunnah. It just depends which one we're speaking about. Or mustahab and desirable to call and invite people. Obviously the conditions would be there that we mentioned previously. Jazakallah Mufti Sab. If you just join us, the program is called Al-Fiqh al-Madahib al-Arba'ah, that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought. And today we're discussing Walima. Mufti Sab, where should the Walima be held? Yes, the Walima should be held by the boy's place, the husband's place. Now, for example, the boy came from one town, let's just say Durban, and the girl is from Johannesburg. So in a case like that, they should have it there in Durban. That would be the ideal place. Then they can have it in the boy's residence. Or if they feel that they are inviting more people, they can have it in a hall. But try to have it in such places where normally no vices take place. We should not have it in such a hall where we know that always 
there, it is a place for fitna and vices, where they have bands and they have music and they have alcohol and everything dancing goes. So although we would not say it's haram to have it in a place like that, but we will say it's something discouraged, such a holy and sacred institution like nikah, and that now the wedding feast, walima, we are going there. So have it in such a place that whether it's a tent also behind your house, it's fine, that or maki. So in that way, it is better than going to places where all these vices normally take place. So we need to understand these issues as well. Now another aspect would be that sometimes they want to keep the walima at the ladies' place. So that's also acceptable if they come to a mutual agreement. So you can keep it in a neutral place also. So all these are totally acceptable. There's no hard and fast rule. In fact, when we study Nabi alayhi salatu salam's own life history, we find that when he married Sayyida Sophia radiallahu ta'ala anha, then there was hardly any meat or anything given because all that happened on a journey. And then Nabi alayhi salatu salam, whatever was available, that they distributed, and that was the walima. So it shows even after Fajr or after Zohar or any Salat for that matter, if you just take fruit or whatever and you give it out, or you, a, a light meal, snacks also. So Islam is not only for the rich or for a particular country. Islam for all and all for Islam is always the theme. So what we need to do, there are certain people who are affluent, certain people who are middle class, certain people who are in the poor, and they cannot afford. So, The rich person can spend according to his means, and the poor person can spend according to his means as well. Jazakallah Mufti Sahib. A question that comes up quite often, must consummation take place before the walima? No, that is not necessary that the marriage must be consummated. Many a time the public, the masses think that you know that uh, today the nikah took place and then for example at night the marriage was consummated and therefore the next day is walima. So they have made it like a prerequisite or something that is like a condition. Then the walima has taken place. That's not essential, that's not necessary. And there's a lot of wisdom in this. You know many a time the husband cannot uh, consummate the marriage with his wife there because of the excessive pain or she might be in immenses or there might be other problems as well so Islam says as long as they spend the night together or some time together and they were in their privacy and next day you have the walima that's fine that is something secret you don't have to go and mention people that you know that I broke the virginity of my wife or I did this or did this this is Islam certain things are sacred between husband and wife Hunna libasul lakum wa antum libasul lahun they your wives are your garments and you are their clothing clothing enhances our image clothing covers our faults you husband and wife you that's what you need to do that you need to enhance one another complement one another and you need to cover and conceal one another's faults and that is the wonderful simile which almighty allah has mentioned in the noble quran regarding the marital life and if you just look at it example there are so many issues the clothing is near the person is not the person is somewhere and the clothing is somewhere else so husband and wife should always be close by to 
to one another and in that way they can that's why we always say that Almighty Allah created the Hawa والسلام, from the rub of Adam والسلام, so that when they walk they walk together not the wife right to the back and husband right in front or the wife right in front and husband right to the back no when you go by plane then you experience turbulence when you go in the ship or in a boat then there are waves yeah in marital life there are vicissitudes so when you walk together then you solve all your problems so similarly here yeah, also we would not say that it is compulsory that it is something that both parties should let happen spontaneously and naturally lastly who should pay for the walima Yes, the payment of the walima is the obligation and the duty of the husband. But if the husband's father or the husband's family want to pay for it, as a wonderful gesture, gesture and magnanimous gesture from their side, because, mashallah, that person, that family, they are quite affluent. So there's no problem in that. Or we can have three scenarios here. One is the husband should pay, that is the ideal situation. One is the husband's family, the father or uncle, whoever come together, they pay. Sometimes what happens, this is a third scenario. The nikah takes place at 11 o'clock or 12 o'clock. And one point on this I need to mention that I always advise people that keep the nikah such a time that people read salat immediately after the nikah or before the nikah, the salat comes in. So we kill two, three birds with one stone. People keep nikah 11 o'clock. Salat time is up past 12, 1 o'clock, up past 1. So half the people are missing for Zohar Salat. If you had to keep the nikah at half past 12 or quarter past 12, so by the time the nikah finishes, immediately Zohar Salat. And in that way there, we will say that most of the people would read the Zohar Salat. Or you keep it immediately after Zohar Salat. So the point I'm making is that we should try to ensure that people also read their Salat, not a happy occasion and we forget about Salat. So that was also important. I mentioned it in passing. The issue of the payment. Now take the example, the nikah was 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. And now the girl's family want to feed the guests whom are invited. So what happens is that they tell the boy's family that why don't we go half and half and you make intention of walima. We make intention that we are feeding the guests. So that also is permissible if they come to a mutual agreement. So it is a case of give and take and it will be acceptable. But as I mentioned previously, for a case like this, what will need, uh, what will need to happen is that uh, if you are having the walima the same day, then you need to give that 15-20 minutes where the husband and wife can go into privacy and isolation. Jazakallah Mufti Sab for those pearls of wisdom and Jazakallah to you the listener for tuning into the program Al-Fiqh Al-Madhahib Al-Arba that is jurisprudence according to the four schools of thought discussing Walima from myself Muhammad Musa Bera Mufti Abdul Qadir Hussein it's Fi Amanillah Wassalamu Alaikum Warahmatullahi Wabarakatuh